I have a little rug in front of my stove, so it's not Does it terrible. get pooped on? <laughs> yes. And it gets pooped on by this individual sitting right here, right next to me. Charlie decided to take a shit on it yesterday. Now, I've had an incident before where I used to have a rug in my office. They pooped on and kind of buried it in the folds of the rug. And I let the Roomba go through, and the Roomba found it and started smearing shit all over the floor in my office while I was on a Zoom call for work. And I had to, like, run off the Zoom call to go clean poop up off my floor. Yeah. So now when I run the Roomba, I always check. I always do check. Not that he shits on the floor all the time, but, you know, it's fool me once, shame on you, right? So I checked. I checked. And the Roomba runs for about two and a half hours before it goes back to its little hidey hole to recharge. And I was on calls, doing stuff. Roomba was doing its thing. And it's probably, like, been two hours. So it's just about to finish its job. It's, like, doing the last little, like, lap. And all of a sudden, I walk into the kitchen. And I was like, what the fuck is that smell? And I look down. And there is just a turd that's been smeared from the mat by my stove to under where my sink is, around the corner to where the dishwasher is, and then out starting into my dining room. And I just scream, no! And I ran for it and grabbed it and flipped it on its little back like a tortoise and just tried not to cry while I bleach sprayed and picked up poop and basically did a full clean down of my kitchen, all the rugs, everything. It was... And I felt like shit yesterday and took the afternoon off to rest. Little rest did I receive, actually. So that was my fun DJ Pumba story. Dude, he's, sh- he's shitting everywhere. We're talking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know? Bro. He's, I mean, he's just living up to his namesake, I guess. So He's 17. What am I going to fucking do? He's got kidney disease. He might have cancer. I don't fucking know. Can't be mad at him. I stayed mad at him for like a good half the day though. I was like, you aren't climbing up on me. You are not cuddling to the point where he, I sit on the floor in my living room and he just would sit directly next to me. Cause I wouldn't let him lay on me. I was like, I'm, we're in a fight, sir. I've had scrub shit for over 30 minutes today and it was not mine. <laughs> Did you ever stop to think though? Like the only thing we know for sure is that the trail that the Roomba is going has the shit. What if it's the Roomba that's pooping? We don't know that it was Charlie. Oh shit! I had this cat for seventeen years. I knew it was him. <laughs> we. Uh... I've been cleaning this shit for seventeen years. I knew it was him. Does your Roomba have a name? It does. His name is DJ Roomba. Okay. We named after. ours uh, Brahms from the boy. The I named mine after Parks and Rec, Tom Haverford. Yeah. in the house. One of the writing prompts in college that I had, I don't remember what the prompt was exactly, but it was something um, innocuous. And it's the only idea I've ever had that I was, that like I had a teacher actually be amused by. And, uh, it was uh, I just I just wrote a story that I took way too far about a Roomba hell bent on world domination and it trying to communicate with other household appliances and its name was Kevin. I don't. That's it. 
if I had a Roomba, I would name it Kevin after my one story. I'm not going to lie. I think y'all Roomba owners are really fucking weird. You all name your Roombas and you like personify them. Not you. I'm okay. saying the other Roomba owners. Like everyone has well, a name I'll for it. I'll just fuck off. Why do you think you're weird as hell? What are the names of your plants behind you right now? They don't have names because they're inanimate. Oh man, you are a buzzkill. I just assumed you had names for them. I do actually. The irony is I won't. I love cats, but I don't really want a cat because when i fostered cats they fucked with my plants and i had to look long and hard in the mirror and say do i love my plants more or do i love cats more and i really love my plants and they're toxic so that's the other issue so i own a lot of plants and only a handful of them are the kind you have i have a neon pothos i see the i see you in the background there i have one of those it hangs in my bathroom so this little shit can't get to it and I also have a spider plant named Sheila, at, who also hangs in the other window in my bathroom, so this little shit can't get to it. And then every other plant I own is basically a succulent that they just don't fuck with. They don't care. They don't. They don't want succulents. They want. They want to pull leaves off of a thing. I have so over just twenty plants, and half of them I, are toxic. Oh, I have over twenty plants, but almost the vast majority are succulents or cacti. Is this like no. the plant lady version of a dick measuring contest? Show is. It show is. Succulent and dick measuring. Welcome to Splatterbrains. <laughs> Best intro yet. I'm Brad. We have Karen. Ahoy hoy. Alex. Okay, chips ahoy. Oi, oi, oi. And Nikki. Hi. Hey, what's up? So, you guys, this weekend, I went to the dentist on friday it's now tuesday i got a tooth yanked from my head and i wasn't really sure what the post situation was gonna be like and a little neurotic when it comes to medical stuff and i talk a lot when i'm nervous so he comes in and i'm like first things first will i be able to go and see a movie this weekend i need to know now because i really need to see a movie before tuesday and he's, you know, telling me all these things. He says, no straws, no spicy, no salty, no spitting, no sucking, no no air suction, no popcorn. And he said, yeah, I don't care if you go see a movie. He said, what movie would you go see? I was like, well, I have to go see Evil Dead Rise. And he, like, stops dead in his tracks. He's like, why would you see that? He's like, isn't life enough of a horror show? He's like, haven't you seen any of those, like documentaries or like read a book and i was just like no and no and he was so disturbed and then i finished the procedure all that shit he's giving me my post-op uh instructions giving me my prescriptions as i walking as i'm walking out he's like enjoy your horror movie great doctor did a really nice job on this thing but yeah i'm good i'll pass i'll take a half as good a job tooth pulling for somebody that's a little friendlier yeah, I was like, yeah, life is a horror show. And, you know, I said to him, I was like, have you ever heard of immersion therapy? <laughs> so we know, went together. Okay, good. Great. <laughs> I like the happy ending of that story. Yeah. Mm. And I got this at the theater because I couldn't have a drink with a straw. So I got a nice iced tea. And you still have it. Yes. Well, it's dividends. better than, remember I told you guys I had a bag of popcorn from the theater that I had for like a week straight and I ate it on the 
floor of my bedroom when there was a tornado siren and I was eating popcorn in a bowl of, I think, Reese's Puffs. And I was just like, this is how I die. Alone with leftover theater popcorn. Speaking of death, um, I got some feedback from our last episode. It surprised me. That was basically, I was told that we didn't spoil the story enough. Like we didn't explain what actually happened at Knock at the Cabin. And I thought about it, and that might be true, but I haven't listened back to the episode. So this time, we're going to have to really get into every detail and make sure this one listener, who is possibly listening right now, gets everything he needs. I don't want to name names, but he knows who he is. And it's not my brother. Um, I thought I summarized the movie. I feel like, I don't know, whatever. I'm going to blame you for this, Brad. What I'm saying is, is our podcast would be successful if it weren't for your bullshit summaries. Don't ask me this time, then. (laughs) I'm not here to make judgment on one of our two listeners, but I probably wouldn't have listened to that episode had I not seen that movie to begin with. But that's really cool that someone... Oh, so they did see it, but they just felt like we didn't talk about enough of it? I don't know. I was just like, what did we miss? I thought we did a good job. I might have derailed us pretty hard talking about the book. So I read the book for today's movie. We're talking about Evil Dead Rise. And um, now my wife is a zombie. So, you know, I was going to say demon, but I fucked it up. So I'm going to take this again. Now my wife is a demon. Now the bit works because it's appropriate for the movie we watched today. Leave all of this in. Every last God. piece. I th- yeah. you know, I, like no one about hates it. me like I hate me. I just want you all to know that. I realized that. Uh, I realized what we didn't mention about Knock of the Cabin last week. It was that we neglected to mention that all the men in it, there's that one scene where they all hang dong and they all look at each other and go, nice, nice, nice. Actually, that is really helpful. That is that is perfect. My favorite thing when Alex is going to edit an episode is he just fucking tries out bits like over and over. He's like, I'm going to cut this. Oh, it didn't work. And then he like picks up where he left off and none of us know like where he started or where he's going. But he's like, you just like have it clocked in your head. You guys should edit an episode. It's it's freeing. I do the exact same thing when I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it stems from uh it, a lack of confidence and insecurity that I just had to bulldoze through every time. I'm like, I'm going to start talking and my brain will definitely catch up and it never catches up. Well, every week I know that one of you two will be editing the episode and anything and everything I say can and will be used against me. <laughs> I am prepared every week for that scenario. So, hey, uh, I really like Evil Dead. I really liked the remake of Evil Dead. I thought Ash vs. Evil Dead was a pretty good series. I had pretty high expectations going into this movie, and I think a lot of people that listen to a horror podcast are going to at least be somewhat familiar with Evil Dead. Um, So, given that assumption, uh, we will do the typical roundtable of just asking what your initial reactions were, and then we can get into the movie. I will start by saying, I really liked the movie. Karen, what did you think of the movie? I, too really liked the movie. Brad, what did you think about it? I, three, really liked the movie. No, I thought it was really good. Nikki, what about you? Buzzkill. I was not super jazzed about it, but I had a nice time watching it with the friend I went with. Nikki, if you could please summarize Evil Dead Rise. Sure. Thank you. So uh, the movie starts off. We are in a lake house situation. We are on a lake. We have three friends. We have Teresa, Jessica, yeah, I have Wikipedia up, and Caleb. 
And long story short, Jessica is effing possessed, and Teresa and Caleb know it. Um, Teresa gets scalped. Caleb gets a decapitated. Jessica takes her little demon ass into the lake, rises on up, and there we have Evil Dead Arise. That's the intro. Then we go to like a scary bathroom of a bar, and we meet Beth, who is peeing. One of my favorite things. And Beth pees on a pee, a pregnancy stick. I was like a pee stick that you pee on. And she is prego her ego. So then Beth goes and to then she goes to <laughs> visit her sister, uh, Ellie. And Ellie lives in Los Angeles with her three children, Danny, Bridget, and Cassie. Um, for the first 40 minutes of the movie, I thought Bridget's name was Branch because they called her Bridge. And I was like, her name's Branch? So anyway, Ellie's got her three kids, Danny, Bridget, Cassie, and we meet them. And it's really rainy and dark and gray in L.A. And they're just kind of like living life, making it through. And Ellie uh, her husband recently left, or there was a divorce, or some sort of recent situation of that regard. And then because it's Los Angeles, there's an earthquake. And so the building is already a condemned building, and so it gets wrecked by this earthquake. And Danny and Bridget, and I think Cassie, I forget, or she was playing with her weird doll named Stephanie. Not Stephanie, Stephanie, that's made out of a plunger, and which is very fun. So then Danny and Bridget are supposed to get, go get pizza. And when they come back after the earthquake, the building's all wrecked. And because Danny is a mischievous fellow, finds an evil dead book and some records and decides to fuck around with it. And there's like other spooky stuff down there. Go ahead, Alex. I'm missing things. You're not missing anything. You're being very thorough, I would say. Um, oh, okay. Let me fast forward. So they find the stuff, and then possession happens of the mother, and evil dead ensues, and people die. And that's kind of the movie. To be fair, it's a very convoluted intro to get to that point. And then, you know, from there, once we have a person possessed, then people die, and there's blood. And that's the movie. If you've seen an Evil Dead movie, it's Evil Dead, but set in an apartment building. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, Which, spoiler, is kind of why I didn't love it. Interesting. So, this movie was kind of a slow build for me, because I, uh, I think the, the poster did a real disservice to it, and the marketing for it was really extreme. Uh, if you follow any kind of horror anything on the internet... This is obviously nerd bait for horror fans. Evil Dead 2 is kind of in Army of Darkness. Bruce Campbell in general are, are kind of like the starter kit for like, oh, turns out you really like this specific style of movie. And uh, even though this is a little different than the original Evil Dead, it, it follows the same story beats, even referencing some of the uh, stuff that happens in a lot of the movie. And uh, as... Much as I want to say it's just Evil Dead in an apartment building, I do think there was a little bit uh, that it gave me that set it apart, and I appreciate that, mostly the tone. Like, it never really leans into the tongue-in-cheek and slapstick nature, much like the 2013 remake, which I have gone to bat for a lot. I think that movie's really good. I still think it's incredibly scary. It's a very cool movie. So I was hoping this was going to kind of be more of that, and it was close. Yeah. 
We left, and I said, even though this is technically my least favorite Evil Dead movie, that's saying nothing, because I'm surprised that I like pretty much everything that has an Evil Dead tag on it. It's pretty good. It's good. I really liked it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just going to jump in. I appreciated the tone of the movie. But yeah, I really liked this movie. I thought some of the chemistry between Ellie, the mother, and Beth, the aunt, uh, Ellie's sister, was a little weak. It was kind of like generic sort of uh, uh, like talk of your heartstring type beats. <laughs> um, Cara really didn't like that the family was like cool and alt family for no reason. Um, well, not only were they cool and alt family, but for some reason, tattoo artist who's the the mother of the movie who you've seen in all the ads and things that gets possessed is um it doesn't understand what a guitar tech is and the fact that they chose that so they calls her a groupie and i was like i assume and maybe it's a strong assumption that anybody that uh is a tattoo artist at least understands subculture to some extent and has listened to music that's a broad assumption that i've made but it still surprises me that like i think they could have leaned into other aspects of her making mistakes should be it addiction or talking about how she's probably been pregnant before from some of the, the clues but it was kind of weird that tattoo artist cool mom dyeing her hair red doesn't like her dark-haired sister's uh, behavior because she's running off with rock bands even though as a guitar technician you have to play guitar understand how to fix a guitar and like it's that's what it's like it's an actual profession it's not like you just hang out. You don't sit in the back of the van like you're getting paid to help a band out. So it was, a, it was just a funny choice. Very minor thing that really doesn't matter to me in the long run, but I see what you, I agree with you in that moment. Alt family. Yeah. Um, speaking of minor thing, though, you touched on her being a guitar tech. I didn't really have this in my notes originally, but you reminded me of this. I enjoyed that they sort of tied that into a part of the movie. Um, like at, in the movie, the power to the apartment building goes out. And the son of the family, Danny, I think his name is, is telling Aunt Beth, like, I found these records and I listened to them. And that's how, like, we're in this predicament because it said the, the words and my mom got possessed. Uh, Beth says, all right, well, I want to listen to the other records and see if there's like, a clue on that to figure out what to do in this situation. And they're like, oh, we have no power. And she goes, I can fix that. And he she uses her little guitar tech skills, like solders shit together. I don't know how she did, but she was able to power the record player some way i thought that was cool that they were like oh we gave her this little bit of background she uses that skill in the movie at some point cool good enough for me i i think we've we've gotten those like the tiniest bit ahead and for anybody that hasn't seen evil dead i'll yeah. just make that the fastest thing ever uh group of people go out to the woods young people college kids uh it's an old cabin and they find in the basement of this cabin the person that previously lived there uh, i believe professor nobi who uh it has Found the Necronomicon, aka the Book of the Dead, which is a Lovecraftian thing that basically he's translated the book and uh, shit goes crazy. So it, it's not a zombie movie, it's more like they all get possessed by demons, and the only way to kill them is convoluted around the series. But it's sort of suggested that you have to dismember them, and that's what happens in the other movies, though in some of them that didn't actually kill them. So in this one, they bring that up, but that doesn't that doesn't actually kill them. I don't know. It follows the same logical beats. They find this cursed book. It's not the Necronomicon, from what I understand. It's like a, they say it's one of three books, which yeah, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, that was one of my notes, is that it sort of implies that there, um, if this is in the same continuity as the 2013 or the original movies, um, 
it's one of those three, and those are the three we've seen. If it's not in the same continuity, that means there are two other books out there um, that maybe we'll we'll try and make a series out of that is connected in some way. Um, I think that's yeah. what's the the intention. There, there's a yeah. thing that happens later in the movie that clearly ties it it to the original trilogy, uh, and that's why I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing here. That's cool. Uh, but it's so minor that it is a movie that stands on its own. You don't really need an Evil Dead background to be like, okay, this is what happens. You know, eventually people start getting possessed. Typically one person is heroic in this situation, and that was Ash Williams for many, many years. And, uh, yeah, this movie does that. I don't I don't know where to start and end with this one, because it's like there's a ton of little things in this movie I really like. But because I'm so familiar with Evil Dead, it's hard for me to be objective and just be like, oh, because I, well, I had expectations. Let's see. Uh, we'll see what, what Karen thinks. Then we'll, I know Nikki is, uh, sort of disagrees with the rest of us, and we'll kind of move into that, and then we can kind of discuss a little bit further. So, Karen, you have, uh, what were your, some of your thoughts, some of your notes about the movie that you wanted to share? All right. Uh, my initial... My first note is there's no fucking around. We're just getting scalpins and a beheading boy, a beheaded boy in the first 10 minutes of this film. I immediately knew like it had me hooked from the very jump. So um, mostly my notes surround my favorite parts of this film. Yeah, we should just mom gets possessed. The family reacts to that. Other things happen to the family. They try to figure out how to rid the, the evil and some shit goes down. Please tell us about your favorite parts of the film. Cheese graters will now haunt me forever. I have a reaction to that, which I'm really sorry <laughs> about because I won't shut the fuck up. And it's bothering me too. That the cheese grater has been used in the marketing of this movie. They've put it on t-shirts. They've like posted it as like a promotional, like evil dead. And they show the cheese grater. I don't, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't it was that little, bad. A little weak. I'm not crazy about, okay, this movie is bloody as fuck. Um, as Evil Dead movies are. I think the last one was more bloody because I think it literally rained blood because of apocalyptic prophecy. Um, but it was bloody as fuck. But it wasn't like gratuitous violence. Like um, in the 2013 part of the marketing was one of the dead-eyed women was like slicing her tongue down the middle. I can't do that. Honestly, when I watched that movie a couple of years ago for the first time, I closed my eyes because that sort of level of gratuitous violence is too much for me to stomach. And seeing the marketing with the cheese grater, I saw I, that was coming up I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. But it wasn't as bad as I thought because it just left little like scratches on her. I was expecting to get like curled, grated chunks of skin coming out of it and everything. That's what I wanted. Been, yeah, that would have been a little much, but they it was just six scratches on her leg. I'm like, oh, this is OK. So for me, it's more that whenever I'm near a cheese grater, I do have that intrusive thought of what would it be like to like rub your hand up and down this thing. So actually seeing it play out in the movie is why it will haunt me forever. Cause I was like, Oh no, intrusive thought come to life. No likey me. No likey. Karen, I'm just picturing you at like a really nice dinner at like a friend's house, maybe eating foot fajitas and you're like 10 feet away from a cheese grater and you're just side eyeing it the whole time where you're like, don't. Don't like you just have this like visceral reaction to any cheese grater. Have you ever nicked yourself you on one or anything? You ever like Which gotten is... cut by one in any way? Yeah. Like even oh, just like, yeah. get your finger? Yeah. 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 Like uh, the amount of times that I've like scraped a knuckle across 
the side of a cheese grater is too many to count, which is why I have the intrusive thought, which is why when I saw this part of the film, I was like, ah, ah, please God, no. One more interruption about the cheese grater, and then Karen, I want to hear the rest of your good notes. Um, Bringing up my mom, I forget if it's a cheese grater or a knife. She's had an incident with both, but in one of those incidences, she licked one of them to, like, lick something off of it, and then was like, oh, shit, like, after, and then, of course, like, fucked up her tongue. And I think she licked Your mom licked a cheese grater and cut her tongue? She might have licked a knife. But she definitely had an incident with a cheese grater, too, if these are two different stories. I will this, confirm. I mean, it kind of ties into what Brad was saying about the, the tongue slicing in 2013. I always think of, yeah, uh, did any of you, I... were any of you uh, cool kids in the early 2000s, and did you watch Happy Tree Friends? No. Okay, so it was a very hot topic-y animated, like, flash cartoon. Oh, and it was just cute animals that looked very, like, whatever, and something violent would happen to them. And there was a Valentine's Day one where one of them is licking envelopes, and they accidentally slice their tongue in half and bleed out. And I think of that every time. And even then, that was like, that really grossed me out. Brad, you're making a face. I was like, I really want to talk about this. Yeah, that's what I thought of when I saw that in Evil Dead. I was like, that's like the happy tree friend that slices her tongue off and bleeds to death. It's great. Karen, lead us away from temptation. Gladly. So the next thing I have is the thing meets Cronenberg monster demon spawn. Oh my fucking God. I love this movie. The fact that all of a sudden this terrifying, (laughs) horrific thing became in to one another. And then real far ahead here. That's, that's like a, a pivotal like difference between this and a lot of other evil dead movies. Like, there's so much that builds up to that moment, and then we but get it's so fucking good. That's what I really like. It locked my love of this film in as soon as it happened. I was like, "I love you. <laughs> I love this film so much." We, oh, it was so good. Do we want to talk about that part? We're kind of jumping around. Do we want to? Yeah, we're we're skipping right to the end there. Y'all asked for my notes. These are my notes. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Do you guys want my notes? Because I'm the voice of dissent, and I have to take a sweet potato out of the oven in two minutes. Yes, please. Okay. Wait, so why would you start with your notes if you got to go in two minutes? Oh. She's uh, <laughs> just, just, just self-regulating, which is something I haven't I like done this whole night. flirt with danger. So I, uh, I think ultimately what it comes down to of... I didn't dislike the film, but I think what kept me from saying, like, wow, this was great. I really enjoyed it. One, I saw it with my friend who I see a lot of horror movies with. He actually is, he works on film production. He's working on, like, a pseudo horror movie thing coming up that he told me about. I don't know that I can say more than that on air, but he really, really liked this movie. Um, I think for me, just the two things that took me out of it was the setting. I just didn't like that we were trapped in like a very dark scene. Like it was physically dark to see in the theater. And that always takes me out of it a little bit because I can't really see what's going on. And it just kind of gave me conjuring vibes. Like we're just in one environment, um, which is fine. That's part of what happens in the original. They're in a cabin, you're in one place and shit's going bonkers. But I think too, I was so excited uh, at the intro that we were at a, a lake to begin with that I was like oh okay great uh this is where we're gonna be so to have that setting shift kind of 
took me out of it from the get-go. Um, and also, I just really didn't like any of the characters. Like, Beth ends up being our heroine, and I didn't really care for her. <clears throat> the kids were all insufferable to me. Uh, Danny, who's the kid that kind of, like, fucked all this shit up. I was mad at him the whole time. And also, like, they're a poor family that's having a hard time getting by. And he owns this probably thousands of dollars worth of DJ equipment. And he's, like, 15. So I just thought that was kind of, like, a funny, well, they broke. They went, all their money went to Danny's. Literally. <laughs> I was just like, and that Cassie, the youngest daughter who does survive, I'm like, this girl's going to need decades of therapy. Like, this is a case where if you can't beat them, join them. Like, I don't want to be living my, the rest of my life as Cassie. So that all to say, there are things I liked that I definitely want to go into, but it was really just, like, the essence of the setting and the characters that took me out. And um, before I go and grab my sweet potato and be right back, I do want to call out one thing that was my favorite part. So, Karen, uh, you alluded to kind of the thing monster. There's a lot of homages in this movie. Most notably is probably the shining elevator where blood pours out. But what you might not have caught is I believe it was Ellie or one of the demon people there's a point where they put their finger on the record to play it and then open their mouth and the sound comes out. That is ripped straight from Lilo and Stitch. Stitch does that in the original animated movie and that is where they got it. And with that, I will be right back. She fucking nailed it. That is spot on. Exactly that. And it's Ellie with her long ass fake nail on the record player. Shout out Lilo and Stitch. Uh, while Nikki's away, um, I'll just respond to a couple of things she says, and then we can... There she is. Never mind. Um, uh, Car and I went and saw this movie last night, and she was not very much a fan of the um, opening and closing scene uh, at the cabin, slash just skating. Um, so the opening scene is, as we've mentioned, at a cabin on the lake. Uh, there are three people there. One of them is sick in bed and like oh she's she's sick she's not feeling good she ends up being dead eyed and killing the two other friends um then at the very end of the movie it's revealed that she lives in that apartment building as well and as she's leaving to go to the cabin uh she sees like the aftermath of the night before and then the demons come and possessed her um so that's how she goes to it's weird that the demons are like i'm just gonna continue her plans she had for the day but anyways um so it opened and closed with this girl that has nothing to do with um, the main story that's going on. Uh, it's the framing device, if you will. It sort of like implies a bit that there is at least one dead eye just running around on its own now. Um, so I wonder if that'll have like anything to do with it. I'm assuming it'll make a sequel. All that to say, very long-winded way of saying this, the title card was fucking awesome. And it starts what is probably one of the most stressful movies I've seen in a while. I feel like every minute of it, I was just like, Okay, what's next? What's going on? This is the first time I look 2013 stresses me out every time I watch it, and I, I haven't watched it in a few years. But I thought that's how I was going to be the whole time during this movie because, like, I'm not immune to horror movies, that's the opposite. I'm just as reactive, I'm just as scared of these movies. I just like that compared to other people. So it's not like I'm like a cool hot sauce guy that's like, I can handle anything. But this didn't really stress me out, like, I was having a good time. Because maybe because I'm so used to this formula, and it's been referenced so many times, uh, I was surprised. Because then we left, and Tiff was like, 
that was so scary. And I was like, it was? But, like, that's not a, a, a slight against the movie. I think they took a really long time to get you into sort of the uh, the Evil Dead formula, and it really wasn't until they sort of lightened everything up, sort of as the elevator hits the ground in the last scene, when I was finally like, oh, okay. Like, my brain was like, you you really like this. Um, because if you give me a chainsaw in a movie and you utilize it, you have done your job in a movie I want to watch. I, it makes every movie better. Uh, I can name a couple movies that are infinitely better because there's uh, a chainsaw fight in them, which is a great thing that I wish that more movies would have. And uh, yeah, this was just, it, it became fun at the end of the movie for me. Like it was still stressful and intense, but like, the violence is fun. I don't know how else to say it. It's not like a green room where it's stressing you out. Yeah, I I think, and this is definitely an unpopular opinion because the violence was very cool and interesting and fun. But when up until the ending, like when we're just in the apartment and Ellie is attacking the kids and the neighbors... Oh, God, this sounds this sounds pretentious, Alex. I'll say it first. It almost was kind of like boring to me because I was like, okay, there's you know puking and blood, and I, it just all felt a little bit repetitive and monotonous. And again, I think for me that probably boils down to I didn't care about any of the characters. I didn't like the kids, so I wasn't really like, oh no, not Bridget or Branch. And the scene where um the mom Ellie is out in the hallway and they're kind of watching violence happen through the peephole. I thought that was really cool and probably the closest to scary that I felt, but everything that was just happening inside to the characters just kind of felt like it wasn't for me, like moving the story along, which I get is the point. It's like you, you watch those movies to kind of watch all the chaos that ensues and different people um, get possessed. But I, I just felt like a middle, like maybe 20 to 25 minutes of that middle chunk just felt a little bit repetitive to me. And it was like, okay, someone's either going to get like blood puked on or like stabbed in a weird way. And not in a way that like scared me or felt gratuitous, but just in a way that felt monotonous. How do you feel about this? The, when the sister gets uh, possessed and killed? And then she comes, like, they wrap her, they tie her up, and then she's walking around completely covered, and she's just behind the awesome. brother. That's pretty cool. I did like that, and I, you know, I want to say there's a lot of things I did like about this as well, despite just kind of the, the big parts I named about what I didn't like. Brad, to your point, the title card I thought was so fucking awesome and probably, like the best part of the movie to me like that to me is scary that was really scary to me the way that happened in the music building i love the way that the mom moved i like the way ellie's body moved like just kind of these weird like awkward it reminded me of this japanese horror movie i saw i think called i think it was pulse where they the way they filmed it with uh, there's these ghosts and there's a ghost like walking toward this guy and they filmed that scene in reverse so that the body movements were really kind of jarring and uncanny. And that's kind of how this movie felt. And I really liked how they did the demon voice. I know it was just dropping their voice a couple of octaves, but it was really effective that their voices would kind of go in and out of these octave changes. So I thought that was really eerie. And I think, Brad, you, someone mentioned that they felt like this movie did not lean into the slapstick. And I actually kind of 
thought they did a really nice balance because there were definitely a few scenes that felt very slapstick, but in the scheme of being scary, like there was a scene where Ellie like gouged out the eye of a neighbor and then like it got shot into the mouth of another neighbor and then just like again, like blood puking and I don't know. That that actually happens in a in and well, I'm sure you're aware of that. The 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 eyeball scene is from another evil dead movie. So that's yeah. one of the few like they do a lot of references in this. I have openly talk shit about how I'm tired of being pandered to. Like I'm kind of sick of that because a lot of horror's modern identity is a big group of people shaking each other's hands and going, I get that. I get that. And no one just gives me a movie. That's just a story anymore. It's just like, we always have to stick like, Oh, this is the fucking, that's the, uh, that's the stairway from the exorcist that we put in this scene. There always has to be some of that fucking bullshit in movies and it works on me, but I'm, it's happened so much. I'm tired of it. I would have been really disappointed had I not gotten any of that in this movie, but there's only a couple and they're not distracting for me. Like that eyeball swallowing was okay because it was sort of in service of the body horror kind of gore that they were doing in the moment. And it wasn't too goofy though. It was kind of goofy. Um, and, uh, I'm sure this was going to come up eventually and I might as well bring it up now, but Bruce Campbell's cameo 10 out of fucking 10. I was thrilled with that. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it. It's just his voice. His voice yeah. is on the record. He's the one that screams. There's a reason it's called the Book of the Dead. Like he's screaming at the... Uh... So that's his voice. And my brain immediately said, because Army of Darkness, a pivotal plot line is that he's moving through time. They give him drops and they, you know he's supposed to wake up in the future. There's a few different endings um, in some of the video games. I'm a cool guy. Uh, in some of the video games, he's traveling through time. Just full of boomstick for PS2. It's fantastic. Um, but they uh, basically, it's Ash, I, Ash stuck in time. And the director has come out to say, like, that was absolutely my intention, is to be like, that was a voice recording of Ash in the 1920s. Though... You know, vinyl records in the early, like in the mid twenties or whatever it was taking place, felt a little weird. Though it was smart that they uh, they made them be seventy eight RPMs because that's something that most turntables don't have anymore, and that's what you know old old vinyl was. So for them to have to speed it up was kind of cool and force them to sort of interact with all this stuff. Anyway, Bruce Campbell's cameo, I really liked it. It wasn't distracting. Uh, in twenty thirteen, all they did for his cameo was. At the very end of the movie, at the end of the credits, there's a dark silhouette of his head, and he turns and says, Groovy, and that's it. So, could have been yeah, distracting. I'm, it was cool. I'm glad nobody said Groovy in this movie. Um, there are a couple things say, that. Come get some. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple things that uh, Nikki mentioned that I kind of want to touch on. Um, I think the movie lives and dies by. Uh, what's her name? The actress that plays Ellie. Alyssa Sutherland. Alyssa Sutherland. The movie lives and dies by her performance, and she did fucking great. She was so creepy and scary throughout. You know her from anything else? Uh, I I looked her up. I haven't seen anything she's in, but uh, she's in like that Vikings show. I I don't mean this as an insult to her, uh, but I think she's already kind of bony and scary before she had the makeup on. So when they stuck the makeup on her, I'm like, you're just extra scary now. Well, you know who she looks? Oh, sorry, Brad. Oh, no, I was just going to say, she is, has, like, gaunt, angled features, so... Not that well, she's bony and scary, but she's angled features. She looks just like uh, the actress Jennifer Carpenter, who was in Exorcism of Emily Rose, 
and they both have the same kind of like movements of their face like she has really good movement of her face and mouth that i think helped a lot and anyway yeah brad you're right um but yeah the movie lives and dies by her performance i think she did great she did knocked it out of the park the uh marketing does uh highlights a couple of really good moments of hers um where she's outside the door talking to the youngest child saying open up now that's so creepy she's because the the in the movie the dad has left the family and he just wants to send child support and not raise the kids or anything like that in the movie she's trying to trick the little girl in opening the door saying dad's here we're a big happy family he said he loves you open up and it's so heartbreaking that the little girl like believes it and wants like her mom and dad to come back inside like because all this is going on and she wants comfort in that uh another great moment is when she first comes out of the tub and they say mom and she goes mommy's with the maggots now and her voice is modulated and very good part i love that um yeah her as a um like central antagonist was great i was expecting because they didn't show any other deadites in the trailers i don't believe um if they did maybe it was just like quick shots or something i was expecting her to be the only antagonist so i was very surprised spoilers obviously for the past 45 minutes that uh, Branch and Danny both turned into deadites as well, as well as the four neighbors outside. Um, four neighbors didn't really have as big a part. They just kind of like, oh, we're here too. But three, the three family members turning into deadites. Uh, I was expecting it to just be one. I thought that would have been interesting. Um, but that wasn't the case. And then another thing that you mentioned, Nikki, about um, it being sort of tedious and formulaic. I think that it's probably by design, right? So... The last Evil Dead movie came out in 2013, and they teased Ash. And I think there were even like interviews who were like, yeah, Ash is going to team up with so-and-so from Evil Dead 2013, and they're going to do Evil Dead shit. But that never happened, obviously. So I'm assuming this time around, the studio wants to make a series out of this that is more, more than one movie a decade, right? So I'm assuming this is sort of be, to be like a reintroduction for a new generation of audiences seeing Evil Dead movies. I would be very pleased to see them sort of expand upon the lore of Evil Dead in future movies. Sort of like they did with Army of Darkness a little bit, but maybe not campy like that. But yeah, I mean... You're you're really dancing around calling this the Force Awakens of Evil Dead movies. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a requel. It's the best requel in recent memory, guys. Um, Also, you mentioned another thing that I really liked is... I know I mentioned the hallway scene and just that being really eerie and creepy but i love toward that ending when all the neighbors start to come back as the deadites and you kind of have a hallway of demons i wish they had amped that up a little bit more and just like had maybe more shots of like all of them kind of like moving together before they become a big congealed thing monster because i thought that was so creepy like when they're in the elevator just kind of watching them come towards them well i think that the the neighbors did not become part of the the monster so in the movie uh one of the neighbors has a shotgun he's trying to um before shit pops off and all the neighbors get killed the neighbors are trying to open up the apartment building's condemned and one of the the units has a fire escape attached to it the elevator's fucked up which speaking of the elevator scene that is reminiscent of the tree scene of the original without the sexual assault i thought was great like the wires in the elevator grabbing ellie and were we all scared it was going to happen though no, I didn't. Like um, I mean, I was I had just like the smallest amount of like maybe, and I was like, oh, there was no way. But so the elevator's fucked up. The stairs are just gone after the earthquake that happens earlier in the movie. 
which I don't know if we elaborated on, but there was an earthquake, and that and the the oldest son went in the parking garage, goes into a hole in the parking garage, opened up by the earthquake, and finds the Book of the Dead in an old vault. So that's how we're kind of to where we're at. So, anyways, back to the hallway. Um, Aunt Beth it finds the shotgun from the neighbor, and she shoots off the arm and one arm and one leg of the mom. And they're like running away. They get the elevator to work. And one of the pages in the book is like a big, weird, multi-armed deadite thing. Um, as like Beth and the youngest child, Cassie, are in the elevator, the mom and her two older kids, Branch and Danny, who are deadites now, merge into one giant monster thing. I don't think any of the neighbors did. I think they were all screaming dead by dawn at the Beth and Cassie in the elevator. And then the mom, Branch, Danny, deadite mass crawls up into the vents. Um, I thought that monster was super weak. I liked it a lot when it was in, you just saw it in the top of the elevator and it was just arms reaching in. That was fucking creepy to me. But then when you see it just like kind of loping around, a deadite by itself was like super deadly and was able to kill all those people super quickly. Like Ellie killed all the neighbors in the hallway. Like, like she took a shotgun blast and just like jumping around and everything. Why merge and be like slow and not able to move? I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was weak. Aaron, stomp his ass because I know you have strong feelings against that, sir. May I remind you that this movie is intended to be scary, and what is scarier than a creepy amalgamation of demon bodies all merged to form one terrifying-looking creature that wiggles its way through the vents, only to try to attack you in a parking garage? Uh, I was telling Kara this when we when we were on the way home last night, um, because most of the people, maybe not most, a couple of the people that were turned into deadites were reminiscent of pages directly in the book that we saw shots of, uh, like the older daughter Branch. Um, she was like puking up bugs and shit, and there was a and like there was an image of a person with like tentacles and like bile and shit coming out of her mouth so like she was reminiscent of that page the mom uh when she was first turned she was reminiscent of a page of a woman like turned into a dead eye and so when they merged together it, the book flipped to a page of just like a, an amalgamation thing but there was a shot earlier in the movie of the book a page in the book where dead eyes ripping a person apart and it looked like they were ripping ellie apart when they first started merging and i was expecting like a creepy prophecy thing to come out of her body, much like in the Evil Dead 2013 when the prophecy demon came up out of the ground. I was expecting some weird, scarier, creepy, blah, 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 like real demon, not demon in a human body thing to emerge out of her or something, but we just got like a blob. Not only that, but like that scene was super fucking weird because you just see a bunch of kids sticking their arms inside their mom and everybody's like smiling. It was really bizarre. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't expect it. I was like, I don't know where they're going with this, but it's creeping me out in a not in not the way that I like to be creeped out. And uh, I didn't expect the Deadite Megazord. It did. Rem- that scene reminded me. <laughs> speaking of like niche homages in this movie, it reminded me of the ending scene in the remake of Maniac with Elijah Wood, where all of the women that he had murdered like come back to life as these corpses and just start like digging in his body and so i 
doubt that this was in reference to a remake of a classic that a lot of people didn't like, but that's what it reminded me of. Uh, yeah, N nothing profound to say beyond that. I, I understand what you mean, Brad. I feel like they definitely were doing it in service of being able to get rid of it quickly and be able to use the wood chipper at the end, uh, which if you didn't notice all of the little tiny, the Easter egg things I was talking about were... Like I said, not too egregious. Henrietta's Pizza, named after Henrietta, the sort of old woman that was in the cellar of an Evil Dead 2. Uh, and then they had, um, oh, what's her name? The tree, the tree cutting service was named after um, Bridget Fonda. Was that her name? Yes? No? Okay, maybe. Either way, it was like Fonda's tree cutting service, and she's in Army of Darkness um, in a, a scene. Wait, and the neighbor, the one with the gun, is Mr. Fonda. Oh, okay. I don't think I realized that. I didn't either. I didn't think... Maybe maybe that's why the, the truck was in the basement. Maybe it's implying that that's his business. It's like a tree cutting service. And I just didn't pick up on that. But that makes it there for a reason. So there's just a wood chipper in the basement that's like a giant truck. And uh, ever since the 20... 2009... Uh, Friday the 13th, the one that's just called Friday the 13th, when they show you one of those and then they don't use it, I was like, I swear to God, if they don't use this fucking thing, I'm going to be so mad. And they did. It was great. You know, speaking of Easter eggs, I'm oh, sorry, Kieran. Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, Sam Raimi's car wasn't in the parking garage. They, it's like they only kind of referred to it, like the Buick. There was like a Buick they, yeah. they zoom in on like the Buick thing and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was just going to say that the next note I had was about the wood chipper and chainsaw scene because it made me very happy. Yes, that is that, that definitely sold me. It was uh, them finding the chainsaw in the truck and then actually using it. They set it up in a way where I honestly thought that little girl was picking up that chainsaw. And I'm disappointed the little girl didn't pick up that chainsaw. That I really wanted that. I really, mm -hmm. really wanted that to happen. And yeah. Same. Yeah. Mm. yeah Tiff, Tiff said that to me where I don't think that the little girl was required to commit any acts of violence in this movie. She was like a standby. And that surprised me because I feel like an Evil Dead franchise would be willing to go there, would be willing to turn a child into a deadite. Nobody did, but that's that's sort of a, a boundary that you never know if a movie's going to go for it or not. The neighbor kid uh, choked on an eyeball and had his arms ripped off and turned into a deadite. That's close enough. I mean, Cassie did basically impale her own sister. Yeah, you're with right. With Staphne. Staphne. Yeah, with yeah. Staphne. Staphne killed Branch. Yeah, Staphne killed Branch. Nailed it. Um, I just want to tell you guys my proudest moment of my theater-going experience yesterday. So me and Jalil were, like, kind of jokey, like, talking through the first bit and just, like, making comments about character <laughs> and when we're introduced to the neighbors at first uh we're introduced to gabriel who's like the guy with the cut off tea and the muscles and i like look at you i was like oh we got a sexy neighbor and then the camera pans over and we see mr fonda who's like this old guy and just like you know has like the beer belly and i was like oh too sexy neighbor <laughs> yeah he's the uh the stereotypical working class neighbor guy yeah, yeah. We got. I feel like the the like hot neighbor trope has 
been alive and well in a lot of the recent horror movies. I mean, Karen and I are thinking of Scream, for example, and I can't think of any movie beyond that, but uh, there's for sure. Uh, Halloween Kills, uh, Big John and Little John. That's right. That's right. I don't remember what you're talking about, and I feel great about that. You're welcome. Don't look it up. Um, let's see. Oh, I, I really enjoyed... I'm just kind of getting through my notes and like jumping around. So stop me if we want to have a, a through line and a, a goal. Um, I really enjoyed the beginning, um, the drone footage through the, uh, the forest and through like the titles, because obviously in evil dead, like the big thing is like the camera zooming through the forest. And that's like sort of representative of like the demon coming into someone. Uh, they do that in the beginning and you kind of think it's like a demon going to go possess this girl sitting on a dock because it zooms through like a creek down into the lake and then finds a girl on a dock, zooms past her and ends up being some douche lord driving a drone. thought that was very nice. I agree. Yeah, I think it's a movie that had... I, I guess I'm cynical enough to think that you could easily let me down with something like this. And I wasn't sure if it would be too conjuring-y because that's definitely something that sells to scream in your face, quick cuts, you know, read out of a book while people jerk their bodies around. And yeah, it's just not, not really my style, but like as much as like there's modern production, that's just going to make movies feel very similar. Um, it was the, probably the cleanest evil dead somehow, but I, I, I was surprised. Like I left and I was like, no, that was fun. Like I had a good time. It wasn't the same reaction I had at the 2013, probably because at this point in my life, they had remade a movie considered a classic and I still liked it. And that was the, you know, I've already gotten over that hurdle of being like, Oh no, they can't, they can't remake a movie. Why would they do that? Now I'm like, no, it was, it was, it was its own thing. And I, I intentionally watched that one all the time. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. I really enjoyed this one. Um, I've got a question. So I've never seen, I think I started watching Ash versus Evil Dead. I don't think I've made it very far into it. Never read any of the comic books or played any of the games. And Alex, you're the expert. But if anyone else has an answer as well, feel free to chime in. But my main question about it, specifically I thought of this during Evil Dead Rise, is what is the Deadites' goal? Do they Are they trying to turn others into Deadites? Or are they just trying to out there just like kill and cause chaos? Are they literally trying to eat souls? Uh, that's never been fully explored. It's it's not like an actual goal other than death and chaos. I think okay. that's the whole point is it's sort of supposed to be this hellish demonic presence that uh, is just vile and violent and horrible. And that's kind of where they do it. Because all of them, like the the way that they talk is always ridiculously vulgar in a way that like it would make Rob Zombie blush. And I always think that feels out of place. But uh, you know, that's always how it's been. It's the whole, it's like the exorcists, you know, you, your mother uh, washes socks in hell or whatever the hell it, it, they say. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I actually, because I, I just finished reading The Exorcist and Captain Howdy in uh, Reagan's body says that he wants to kill her. It's like, that's his goal. He just wants to kill this girl and cause like pain and suffering to people around him by talking to the house that Carl and Willie, the house helpers about their daughter, talking to the mom about whatever so i was just wondering if there was some sort of larger goal that a deadite has um i think it's more like humans are dabbling with stuff they shouldn't be dabbling with they're opening a door to something that exists beyond most of our plane of existence and it's just a they're being punished for it 
I don't know that there's ever been like a clear like this is what they want other than death and pain. Like a Cenobite. Yeah, but like it feels like with the Cenobites, they want to bring death and pain in a way that gives you a boner. Where I think these ones just like want you to die, or just it, or slowly. Yeah, yeah. There's just yeah. I mean, there is the sexual aspect of the Cenobite. Fair enough. Um, Don't threaten me with a good time. Does anyone else have notes? Because I have a uh, question for you all. Um, okay, Nikki. I, I just had one other note. What I did appreciate about this movie is it looked like something that, well, I it, in a lot of cases it did like heavily rely on CGI, particularly in the latter half. I did feel like there was enough practical makeup, at least, to kind of bring me back into it, which is something I love about the originals, kind of the practical makeup. Obviously, there are scenes that, like, they're not actually gonna, uh, you know, do a lot of things they did. But I I feel like it didn't look heavily CGI'd, even if it was. And I I appreciated that about it, because that's always the first thing that takes me out of a movie like this. Um, I I wish it was a little more practical effects, but, you know. But there were were moments... Where like like the blood in the elevator scene, where the elevator fills up with blood, the elevator falls to the bottom floor and explodes, all of the shining, which we kind of mentioned earlier, and then you see the two actors just doused, absolutely covered in sticky corn syrup grossness, and I feel so bad for like just thinking how disgusting that must have been, all that like for a whole day shoot or whatever they did. I my last note that I made was about, literally just says, I'm not going to lie, everyone looks much hotter when they're soaked in blood. Think about The Descent. Think about this movie. Uh, basically, anytime somebody is... Have you seen Dead Alive? Blood, the the, the Peter Jackson movie, also known as Brain Dead. It's the one that takes oh, place in like the 50s. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the lawnmower scene in that movie where he picks up a push mower and he walks through the sea of zombies and then he comically just has like all you can see is his eyeballs like a cartoon. So when you say like guys covered in blood, I was like, that's just what I pictured is where he looks the most in distress he's ever looked and he's, you can only see his eyes. Well, speaking of those two things, one one of the other things Jalil and I were laughing about in the theater is when Cassie and Beth come out of the the blood elevator. <laughs> Cassie's like the eyes and mouth and nose are like perfectly preserved without blood. So we were joking that the makeup department just did like a dap 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 like right around the edges. And the dead alive thing, uh, super quick splatterbrain side note. My friend, her friend had a birthday party and she's like very into horror movies and she works in film production. And she rented out a theater at the Logan Theater and got a bunch of her friends to come and she t- and I had only met her once she's like you should come because you're gonna like it so I knew she was gonna expose them to some ratchet shit and not tell them I couldn't go but she ended up showing all of her family and friends dead alive and didn't tell them in Logan theater isn't that lovely Anywho, blood we love blood people caked in blood CGI great Brad you have a question uh before the question um yeah, I also enjoyed that it was mostly practical. There was one bit that I thought was weak was the very beginning uh, when the girl Jess in the cabin, the framing device in the beginning, uh, when she kills the boyfriend in the water and throws his like decapitated neck and head and little little bit of his chest out, and it's just like his CGI head laying there. I thought that was very weak, but 
other than that, it was great. I don't. I thought it was a a prop. I might be wrong. Where it just it looks like a very fake head, which I was surprised by. That it it actually looked reminiscent of something from the eighties. No one uses real heads anymore in their prop department, and real I'm heads sick of is it. Out. Real heads. I love that. <laughs> no, no one just decapitates actors anymore, and that's a shame. Yeah, no one does immerses themselves into the art. Alex alluded to this earlier, um, but I want to ask each of you: uh, What are your Evil Dead movie rankings? Um, I'm not really counting the show. I haven't seen it, so I couldn't. I couldn't. There are only five movies. It's not that hard, Nick. You don't make that face. Uh, where do you rank each of these movies, uh, Nikki? I'm going to start with you. Well, okay, I've only seen the first three and then the remake. Is that right? And this one. And right? then this one. That's five. That's everything oh. except for the TV show. I, okay, yeah, I haven't seen yeah. the TV show. Um, boop, 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 boop. Number one, original. I'll never forget my first time seeing it and being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, then I would rank the second one because it was like the first one, but more goofy um i honestly don't remember the 2013 remake i watched it i think a couple years ago alex because i knew you really liked it but i remember not being like wowed but i'll put it I, in there i'm a gore guy and like that's something that movies keep shying away from for the last like 10 15 years where like it's not a feature of horror movies being put into theaters kind of in a post new metal slasher movie world um, yeah that, that's I'm sort gonna... of, yeah that's why I like I'm it. I'm going to put it as three because I don't remember coming away disliking it. And I feel like this one, I had some qualms that I remember because I just saw it yesterday. Um, so then this one, I would rank as number four, Evil Dead Rise. And then Army of Darkness last. And the only reason last is because when I first saw Army of Darkness, I fell asleep because I had mono. And that's how I knew I had mono because I never sleep during a movie. And when I rewatched it, I still fell asleep. And I was like, what is that movie puts me to sleep but i didn't like dislike it sacred movies i had mono and that's when i watched the lord of the rings trilogy that's the only time i've seen those movies god bless brad's looking at me like he wants me fuck (laughs) i literally watched return of the king last year and timed it perfectly so that when aragorn tells the hobbits they rise to no one that's when i turned to their you're such a fucking nerd sorry they bow to no one Wonderful. All right, Karen. Nikki, thank you for your your rankings. Karen, where do all these movies rank for you? Uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I have never seen Army of Darkness. And I did, I would say number one, like the original, I guess number one for sure. Um, I don't think I've seen the 2013 remake, actually. Actually, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Uh, But I have seen number two. So number two would be number two, and then this would have to be third. Fair enough. Alex has uh, some strong feelings about Nikki and Karen's rankings. Alex, what are your rankings? Evil Dead 2 is going to be number one for you. I know it already. All right, so <clears throat> I'm going to start with the video games. I'm going to say that Evil Dead Hail of the King for PlayStation is the, we- the worst of the three. Evil Dead Regeneration for the original Xbox is okay. Evil Dead Fistful of Boomstick for both PlayStation 2 and Xbox is fantastic and the best Evil Dead game. Oh no, actually, the newest Evil Dead game, the the uh, asymmetrical one, super good. Surprise, because I really hated Dead by Daylight and the asymmetric multiplayer horror thing is not for me. Evil Dead is awesome. Get 
four friends, play it. It's a blast. Um, and now as far as the movies, Ash vs. the Evil Dead. It's kind of the clearly lowest budget thing uh, that they've done. I've only seen the first two seasons and some of the third. I still haven't finished it, but I will finish it. It When it hits, it's awesome. And when it doesn't hit, it's eh. Give me your fucking horror comedy nerd card now. Because I thought that the show is the weakest of the Evil Dead series. Because you didn't finish it. Go on. Nah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't have. Well, I think it was out on like Showtime originally before it got put to other stuff. I actually, uh, I reached out to relatives who I hadn't talked to in a long time, who I knew subscribed to every cable package and got their passwords so I could watch it when it first came out. Um, so I, first season was pretty good, but it clearly ends on a note where they. I'm just on number five right now, um, where they clearly had an ending, didn't expect to get a second season, and they just changed one line to make sure, like, Ash makes a decision that could have ended the whole series, and he just goes, nope, and makes a dumb choice so that the series can continue, and that was a little annoying, so that's that's why it's as low as it is. Number four is going to be Evil Dead Rise, which doesn't mean that it's bad, it's just that I'm going to probably rewatch all the other ones first, though I'd still rewatch this movie. Um... Three is probably Army of Darkness, only because, uh, no, three is going to, five? Do I have six because I'm counting the show? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Six is the show. Five is going to be Evil Dead Rise. Four is going to be, believe it or not, the original Evil Dead. It's very good. I'm not going based on prominence. I'm going based on, um, or importance. I'm going based on what I'd rather watch. Um, so then above the original, it's really good. It's got a low budget. It clearly was going for something. It's it's scary compared to the other ones. The effects are are very cool. It's clearly a student film, but I think that, that I mean two is it's just so much more in my wheelhouse. That's you know spoilers for the end of my list because that's exactly where it's going. Um, <clears throat> so uh, where was I? Original Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. Three. What's number three? Three is going to be the remake. I, I really, really like it because it's a really scary, visceral horror movie that does a really good job with the Evil Dead lore by being its own thing. Uh, to where was I? Oh my god, this is bad. You're everywhere. Okay, so you had number six was Ash versus Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Number Evil five, Dead Evil Dead Rise. Four, original Evil Dead. Three, Evil Dead remake. Two Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Two, Number One. There it is. I am done. That is correct. But the thing about that is, I like most of the stuff a lot, so I'm happy to watch anything Evil Dead related. Alex, I just read The Stand back to back for as long as it took you to answer that. Cover to cover. That's that's your fault for not having the respect and care that I have into answering that question. All right. Let's show also, that, baby. Every time you say you don't read, I'm gonna be like, remember that time I I listed Evil Dead movies. You read the whole stand. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna blaze through mine. Uh, I've <laughs> I'm gonna blaze through mine. I have Army of Darkness at number five. Uh, the the whole story behind that is like the MPAA like really cracked down on like movies and stuff at the time, right? So like it was Evil Dead Two came out and they wanted to make an example out of this series, so like they like had to scale things back and it's less horror and more just like a fun fantasy romp. That's at least my opinion. Alex likes it. Um, I do like it. It's very amusing. It's very. It's a lot different than all the other ones. It's not. It's obviously. It's like the one that's clearly not horror. I bought all three movies from like uh, the exchange, one of the exchange locations in Chicago uh, after college, and I was like, "This first Evil Dead's fucking great." 
Uh, so this leads me to my number four. I also bought Evil Dead 2, and I was like, uh, I don't like this as much. I'm not big about the campiness of it. Uh, I don't like the part where I think all like the objects in the room may or may not be singing and Ash is dancing. Uh, I don't like the talking deer. I don't know. It's just too slabsticky for me. I, uh, I really walked into a friend's house when I was a kid, and this they were very into marijuana, as you've heard of it probably. And I've never seen a bunch of 18-year-olds as high as these kids were <laughs> watching that scene and losing their fucking minds. And it was one of my favorite <laughs> memories, because I had seen Evil Dead 2, and I heard the noise as I was walking up the steps to my friend's room, and I was like, oh boy. And one of them's just sitting behind the futon like, what is happening? <laughs> That's, That's a good funny. time. That's great. Um, I have a uh, t-shirt from a band that I really like. Uh, liked in college that I don't think they are a band anymore. They're called Sprainerd. And the t-shirt is just the Evil Dead 2 poster. Instead of saying Evil Dead 2, it says Sprainerd 2. <laughs> and uh I forget if it replaces Dead by Dawn. It might be like Sad by Dawn or something like that. Uh anyways, so Armor of Darkness 5, Evil Dead 2 is number four. Evil Dead Rise at number three. Uh Evil Dead 2013 at number two. And then Evil Dead the original at number one. I really enjoyed that. Uh, super low budget horror movie. Um, the I first time. Oh, sorry, Brad. I was just gonna say I think it's better than the second one, but obviously, if I listed them in that order, obviously, I think that. What were you gonna say? Um, speaking of Alex's friends smoking jazz cabbage and enjoying Evil Dead Two, the first time I watched the original Evil Dead, I myself had partaken in the devil's lettuce, and I watched the original Evil Dead. And I remember, like, having such a good time, but then the next day, I was like, what did I, like, what did I watch? Like, did I really like it? Like, I just had this visceral memory of enjoying it so much, but having no clue what just watched. Then I had to turn it on again, not under the influence of Jazz Cabbage, and I was like, oh, this was, like, really great. So it was kind of nice, because I thought my perception of the movie was, like, only based on where I was at, but it was not. So it was kind of fun to have watched it and not remembered it and then like get to watch it for the first time again. Okay, I only have two. And then Brad will do yours because yours is probably way more exciting. Would you rather, if you were in the movie Evil Dead Rise, would you rather have been Danny or Bridget, a.k.a. Branch? Both had, you know, tragic endings, but you know. Who would you rather have been? Think Danny, because Branch like pukes up those bugs, and that's creepy. And when she becomes a deadite, she's eating the the wine glass, going, "I gotta kill the things in my belly." Uh, I think Danny. He was just stabbed. You know, it was scary when she was like under the blanket, like getting him and everything. But yeah, definitely Danny. Well, think of it this way too. Danny also has the guilt of having summoned the whole thing and started this. And he doesn't have to, like, go through the, like, he's killed by his sister, and I feel like that's probably, like, best case scenario. And Bridget has the infection and then has to be like, oh, God. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, I, that yeah, makes I, sense. Why I choose Danny. guilt over bugs as well. Same. Okay, same. Even though also, I hate Danny was also, my least favorite for that. She gets cheese grated, too. Bridget does. No, Bridget does the cheese grating. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because she cheese grates the uh, the. Beth. Yes, thank you. 
But she does get panned. She does get panned. panned. All right. Well, we're all Danny. Okay. And my second one, dead bites. I mean, deadites. (laughs) Would you rather beat them or join them? And this seems like an obvious question, but again, I really think Beth and Cassie's quality of life is really shitty. I personally would join them. I have no qualms. Like, at this point, I used to want to fight the zombie apocalypse. Now I'm like, it's fucking, I don't, it, se- it seems like more fun, a lot less trauma. I'm in. I can fight off the zombie apocalypse. I mean, not that it would be easy, but like, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like, yeah, I'll do this for as long as I can. But very early in the movie last night, I was like, you know, it's probably best just to like fucking give up. Just let it all end. But I say that I would definitely fight them. If it's beat them and win or join them, beat them and win. I'd rather just chainsaw them and chop them up. Yeah, you're giving me the option to be a a person wielding a chainsaw. I choose that over most things. Yeah, that's fair. And Brad, to your point, because yeah, in a zombie apocalypse, I'm absolutely team join them. But also, and I'm still team join them here because in this case, it's scarier because they are targeting you specifically and like taunting you with things they actually know about you. So yeah, like I'm not, I, my quality of life, I'm going to be unwell years, years and years and years, multiple thousands of dollars of therapy to like survive that. And like, presumably I had to kill like my friends or family or both. I mean, like Frank Reynolds says, flush it down with Brown. If it's yellow, let it's mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, now I know who I'm going to, like, dick by, like, when, like, a zombie apocalypse breaks out at Days of the Dead 2023. I'm going with Alex. You guys can, like, just be like, okay, take me. We're going to be after your ass. We're probably going to be the ones eating your brains. I thought you were going to say ass again. (laughs) For eating your ass. Uh, No, because I am at the front of a human centipede. So, Brad, you had a would you rather, right? Mm. Yeah, I do. Um, all right. Would you rather be the first person turned into a deadite or one of the people the deadite kills in turns? Would you rather be front, middle, or end? No, I'd rather be first. <laughs> I'd totally be first. I'll, I'll be the breakout monkey. I'm in. Take me first. I don't want to be the aftermath. Cool. Uh-uh. No. Number one. Numero you know, like, right here. I think the first one has it the worst as far as the actual transformation process. Seems like there's a lot more growing pains in all the movies. Maybe not. In a couple of them, it's just the camera slams into the window and then they turn around and they've just got crazy makeup on. Hmm. Yeah, probably first. I think that's just the sensible choice. Because then you're not being as messed up by the thing. It's just kind of, I guess, I'm trying to think of where I would feel the least bodily harm, but what if did I just feel it anyway? It's just a possession thing. You're still in there somewhere. If I've learned anything from Supernatural, you're definitely mm-hmm. still in there, and you can definitely feel, still feel things. Same. But the person who's first, they don't know what's going on, and neither do their I'm... family and friends. So then they this start treating I... them like they're sick and like draws a nice warm bath for their transformation process. 
This is what I'm saying. I'd rather be first. Well, so do I. So I'll fight you to be first. Yeah, I guess first would be easier. You don't have to face like the horrifying deadite that is coming after you. Um, you know, I d- your your previous question, uh, I think your first question about beating them or joining them, um, raises a question that I have. Uh, then maybe Alex, that our resident evil dead expert, can answer. Do the souls of people turned into deadites or killed by deadites or the soul of the first person, does it actually go to hell or does it get like eaten by a deadite or what happens? Are they just dead? And like, we don't know. They're dead and we don't know. They, they okay. comment on it a lot. Like the, the soul thing comes up a couple of times into the I'll swallow yeah. your soul is in a couple of the movies, but um, you never that, really find out. That's very scary to me is like, uh, like if a dead is just gonna kill you and you're dead and like that's the end of it, that's one thing. Like beat him, join him, doesn't fucking matter in the end. But like if there is like some sort of like ethereal thing that is continuing to happen to your consciousness at the end, and like you're like feeling the pain of thousands of years of being torn apart by a deadite, and like fuck that, beat him every day. I'm not gonna join him. Like a sure. like a deadite Sarlacc pit. Yeah. All right. I was gonna say that we're actually hearkening more back to our previous episode about M Night Shyamalan and. Is there a heaven or hell? Is kind of part of the question now. Yeah. Um, any other last thoughts about Evil Dead or Evil Dead Rise? You know what I will say about being in hell? <laughs> is that uh, it's preferable to telling us where you can find us on the internet, Karen. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, I think it's Splatterbrains Podcast. And I think you can find us on Facebook, too. If you just type in Splatterbrains Podcast. And that that's it. That's all. Oh, I guess email. Uh, you can find us at the email address called Brains Splatter, all one word. Two S's in there. You figure out where. At gmail.com. You know who does fart? On that note, Charlie shits in my kitchen and the Roomba smears it everywhere. If a Roomba shits in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did he get possessed by a dead... I'm <laughs> sorry.